The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Building Banking on Values with your host, Linda Ryan. Banking today can depend on a variety of factors, including where you bank. It's time to put the power back into your pockets. It's time to change what you think you know about banking. Now, here is Linda Ryan. Welcome to the Building Banking on Values show, a series that goes behind the scenes of a growing global values-based banking movement. And as I sit here in my office in Vancouver, it's a beautiful sunny day. And the light is shining on me, which is quite apt because this is what this show is about. This show is about shining a light on some pretty inspirational people who are changing the finance and banking sector. So in case you're new to the series and you're thinking, huh, banking uh, values, not possible. Believe me, this is a positive, viable alternative to the current banking system. And it's powered by passionate professionals working in finance to create positive economic, social, and environmental impact. And in business, that's usually called a triple bottom line, economic, social, and environmental impact. On this series so far, we've explored banking with a social conscience, the concept of feminine banking um, and how people are lobbying and teaching for change in the banking sector. We've explored how research and governance is changing banking strategy to make it more people-centered with the mission putting people before profit and how investment banking can and does have a heart if you invest in the right way. We've looked at concepts like financial inclusion and economic independence being propelled by a number of financial institutions. Uh, Specifically, we had guests on the show from credit unions and microfinance organizations doing this type of work. And we've also looked at how banks can and should go beyond the balance sheet. We had a great show last week with Susan Arterian-Chang from uh, Capital Institute and Tamara Vrooman from Ban City. But on this show... Today, we are exploring how grassroots change in banking is happening at an educational, community development, and even Occupy movement level. So let me introduce you to our first guest. Olaf Weber is an author, professor, and program director of the Master's Program in Sustainability Management at the University of Waterloo in Canada. Olaf's research and teaching interests center on the connection between financial sector players, such as banks and sustainable development, and the link between sustainability and the financial performance of enterprises. So it's a very interesting mix of sustainability, financial performance, business, and banking. And and Olaf really researches whether it is possible. So Olaf looks at things like the current and potential impacts of banks on sustainable development, the role of voluntary and regulatory mechanisms for the financial sector to become more sustainable, and how do social banking and impact investing contribute to sustainable development. And on this topic, Olaf has been so passionate, he's also written a book. His latest book is called Sustainable Banking, and it introduces us to this mix um, and the many ways in which financial institutions can manage their environmental and social impact 
and also meet the needs of the current generation. And here's the thing. They can do all of this without compromising the needs of future generations, which is a pretty innovative um, but required thing that we need to make this world a better place. So that's enough of me speaking. Olaf, welcome to the show. Hello, Linda. Um, Thank you for having me in your show. You're very, very welcome, and thanks for joining us. So, Olaf, I have to ask, um, what made you write the book? Um, I'm interesting, interested in the impact of banks, and everybody, at latest, uh, after the last financial crisis, everybody knows how big the impact of banking is on the society. And um, I'm interested in analyzing and understanding, on the one hand, what can banks do that is positive for the society, for the environment and sustainable development. And on the other hand, um, I'm interested in in what are the effects of the environment and sustainability on banking. So how how do they how do man uh, how do banks manage the risks um, that are that come, for example, with uh, with climate risks. And so. Um, uh, yeah, I, I found that there's no really comprehensive and current overview about uh, what sustainable banking is and, and what it can be. And uh, so um, I thought about uh, writing this book that um, bases on, on a lot of research that I have done before on sustainable banking, on conventional banking, on what um, value-based banking is doing, and so to to put these things together and uh, and to put in, into a book that uh, that provides a, a good and comprehensive overview about the, the current state and maybe also about the future concepts of sustainable banking. Olaf, before we go into the details of, of what you've uncovered in the book, tell us a bit about your history. I mean, where have you come from? Um, I think you, you mentioned when we were chatting earlier, you're obviously from, from Europe. You don't have a, a U.S. accent or a Canadian accent. <laughs> Tell me about your history and how you got into this. Yeah, so I'm I uh, I'm originally from Germany and and uh, at the the end of my of my my studies I was very interested in risk management and so I looked for some cases where I could do some research in risk management and one of the cases was credit risk management, what is obvious and it's uh, interesting to analyze and the other other case was uh, environmental risks that were uh, increasing in the 1980s especially and so uh, at that this time it was uh, both fields were totally independent from from each other but then interestingly a little later in the 1990s because of environmental regulations and other impacts um, and the environment and and the financial sector were merged in a way. So this was the time where the first uh, risks appeared because maybe a, a bank uh, had a loan, uh, a commercial loan to a borrower, and uh, the collateral was uh, this, the site of the borrower, and maybe the site was contaminated, and so this was an environmental risk a risk for the for the lender, and so so they have to deal had to deal with these risks, and so we started. Analyzing these risks and developing uh, risk assessment systems to to manage these these risks. Um, then a bit later, it, uh, um, the the opportunities for for banks came up as well. So socially responsible investment um, has been started, and banks and and, and asset managers 
engaged in this, and so we were one of the first that uh, developed sustainability reports for different sectors, for example, for, uh, for Dow Jones uh, Sustainability Index. And at that time as well, I, I started to be involved in, in, to, uh, in value-based banking. Um, I, for 10 years, I was a member of the board of the Alternative Bank in Switzerland that is also a member of the Global Alliance for Banking and Values. And so I con- could learn uh, how um, value-based banking works um, um, and, and could help to develop the bank that uh, is in the meantime uh, 25 years old and, and, and quite successful. So um, this, I think this connection between um, environmental risk management in banks and uh, the more broader approach that value-based banking is focusing on um, to create a positive impact on sustainable development. I think this is a very interesting field, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that I can do research in, in this field. Wonderful. So you have a really solid background both in, in looking at the topic of, of risk and risk management, but also in serving from a very hands-on perspective on, on the board of a bank. And now you're in writing the book and in doing the education, I guess you're taking it from a different angle. Um, back to the book, Sustainable Banking. What's going on in the financial sector at the moment? Um, yeah, I think um, it's uh, slowly, it's it's a it's changing slowly. What I think, uh, what we can see, especially after the after COP21 in Paris and the quite successful negotiation on climate change and the impact of the business of businesses on on these negotiations, I think that banks um, take these issues in more and more into account. So um, it's, it's not only um, trying to to manage the risk of climate change, but also to develop products and services that address climate change mitigation or adaptation. We have an increasing number of, of green bonds, of climate bonds. Um, we have, uh, have banks engaging in, in other environmental issues in, in, social, in social aspects of sustainability as well. And um, what we also can see quite clearly is the growth in, um, in value-based banking. So if you look on the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, we see these banks are growing. There are, there are more and more members. Uh, in, in this uh, in this association, and I think um, banks, yeah, in the meantime, start to really take these things for serious and at least try uh, to address them. Though, of course, we know that uh, of all the of all the problems in, in the banking sector, still it's uh, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a problematic sector. Uh, there are high risks in in the sector, and still. Banks are connected with many, many scandals and 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 and, and things like uh, like that. And uh, are, often banks are not really able to uh, to to focus on on sustainable development, but only pick some pieces out of this out of this uh, this cake. They uh, they focus on the business case. So maybe if if um, clients are interested in they. They issue some green bonds, but on the other hand, they still invest in maybe in projects that are not not sustainable at all. And so, I think that there should be a change from to a more broader um, approach to sustainability. So, instead of having the business case of sustainability, why not focusing on the sustainability case of banking? Right. Okay. Okay. So it it seems like it seems like a, there are a lot of banks out there who are who are 
if they if they haven't already woken up to the the potential from a business perspective in in taking the sustainability route, you know, from a product or service point of view, that they're beginning to take those steps, which is great. But it also sounds like there's a different type of bank, um, we call it a values-based bank or an ethical bank, that's that's actually doing what you're saying. So it's 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 turning this into a new way of banking and putting banking back in service of, I guess, of uh, of the world, you know, and the people that it serves, the communities uh, and the environment. Can you give us some examples of those types of banks that are, are doing this more from a mission perspective and, and doing it well? Yes, yes, sure. Um, if you look on maybe, you know, in the U.S., Beneficial State Bank or Southern uh, Bank Corp., both are members of GABV, they really they focus on, on communities. And they, in a way, this is going back to the roots of banking. So banks were founded because they wanted to serve communities. So they want to um, use the money that some that that was saved and to invest it into the community, back into the community. And for example, Beneficial State Bank and Southern Bank Corp uh, tried to do that. Or if we have a look on 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 the credit union in in your hometown, Van City Savings. Um, if you look what they do for the community, what how they finance social enterprises. This is a very exciting. Uh, exciting uh, service that that they offer. So they, for example, they finance social enterprises to enable them to be involved in in businesses around the 2010 Winter Olympic Games. So this was a very innovative approach and when City is continuing to to finance social enterprises. Another great example in in the field of impact investing, there is an uh, asset manager, Serona, they are investing in, in emerging developing countries into into sustainability projects there and uh, offer both. So they create a positive impact, a positive development impact. And in addition to that, they, they, they can create quite attractive financial returns as well because they support a sustainable growth in these, in these, uh, in these countries. Um, other examples, for example, if you look on what, uh, what Triodos, Triodos did in in Europe, they even influenced the the Dutch government to uh, um, to reduce taxes for um, sustainable investment and for ethical investment, so to make them more attractive uh, for investors. So they had a had a great impact on on, on the total financial sector in uh, in the Netherlands. Um, and so these are some of the uh, some of the examples uh, that show that. Um, a sustainability approach can be very well connected with uh, with the banking approach and, and can create both a positive impact on sustainable development and on on the financial returns of these banks. So it's actually well, it's it's both exciting and it's heartening to hear that you know you you can actually list off a number of of banks doing the right thing and doing it for the right reason um, and and helping the environment, but also helping their own members or customers and, and investors make a positive return. Because if this is to, to be lasting and sustainable from a business perspective, that's, that's the required thing, really, isn't it? It needs to both be positive, create positive impact, but be positive from a good money perspective that it makes uh, clients and customers money. Right, right. And at the end, as you said, it's the money that's coming from, from customers. And uh, 
you have to think about how to invest it and and so it's it's still very important in the in the lending business also for value based banks that they do good risk management that they analyze uh, the borrowers and that they that they can guarantee uh, that the that the investment and creates these two impacts, the sustainability impact and the financial impact. And maybe this is also a kind of next step that to think about how can we um, better report and how can we disclose the sustainability impacts that, uh, that the banking business has. So to provide information for clients that they can learn what happens with their money and, and how the money is invested. That's, that's, yeah, that's great, actually, and a number of guests have said that, too. Data is important, but being transparent and, and producing and the right information so that people can make informed decisions is very, very critical from a banking perspective. Olaf, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Very quickly, if people would like to find out more about your book, um, is there a, a website we can direct them to? Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's published by uh, University of Toronto Press. So um, it's utppublishing.com. But uh, as usual, everybody uses Google or something else. So sustainable banking and Olaf Weber is probably enough to to find uh, to find the book on the web. Brilliant. Olaf Weber, thank you very much. The author of a book uh, called Sustainable Banking. Check it out. Folks, we're going to take a quick break and afterwards come back to us because we have a very interesting conversation with Darren Williams from Southern Bancorp in the USA. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Building Banking on Values. To reach Linda Ryan or her guests, please send an email to lynda.ryan at gabv.org. That's lynda.ryan at gabv.org. You may also join the social media conversation by using hashtag banking on values or tweet show host Linda Ryan at Catalyst Warrior. Now back to Building Banking on Values. Welcome back to the Building Banking on Value show. We just had Olaf Weather, uh, Weber sorry, on the show. He's an author, professor, and program director at the University of Waterloo in Canada, and he's just written a book about sustainable banking, so definitely check it out. Google it, um, and you'll find out how to get your hands on it. And now we have Darren Williams. Darren is Chief Executive Director of Southern Bank Corp in the USA. Darren's career is really a unique combination of law, business, and politics. Uh, he serves as the CEO of Southern Bank Corp, Inc., 
where he oversees the activities of all three of Southern's community development financial institutions. Now, they're known collectively just as Southern. Prior to joining Southern, Williams served in the Office of the General Counsel for the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. He also served as Arkansas's Chief Deputy Attorney General and later as a partner at a law firm, um, uh, Carney Williams, Bates, Pulliam and Bowman where he actually focused on representing aggrieved investors and consumers in class action litigation against some of the nation's largest publicly traded companies. Darren, what a career. Welcome to the show. Hi, Linda. How are you? Thank you very much. <laughs> I have to laugh, actually. I was I was chatting with someone yesterday, and I was going over your profile, and um, actually I read it out to the person, and the person's reaction was, wow, that career sounds pretty awesome. I have to ask, what's he doing in banking? <laughs> that that is interesting, isn't it, Linda? I've I've gone from uh, suing banks and publicly traded companies to uh, uh, now being um, responsible for for directing a bank. Uh, it's uh, it's a unique career, but I thoroughly enjoy uh, what I'm doing. Uh, I think this is exactly where I should be. Oh, fantastic! So it's wonderful to hear such passionate people knowing that they're in the right place at the right time. I really think sometimes that the universe provides. So yeah, it's wonderful to have you on the show, Darren. Can you tell me a bit about the history of Southern Bank Corp? Sure, Linda. Southern Bank Corp. Uh, we were started in the mid '80s uh, by then Arkansas Governor uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, his wife Hillary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, was uh, one of our original board members. Um, Rob Walton from the Walmart family, the Walton Family Foundation, uh, was instrumental in founding Southern, the Wentworth the Rockefeller Foundation, and several other uh, business, uh, government, and uh, political leaders came together to start Southern Bank Corp. Uh, then Governor Clinton witnessed probably the first development bank in the U.S., a bank called uh, Shore Bank, operating on the south side of Chicago uh, in, in an urban setting, an economic depressed community. But that bank was making a huge difference uh, in the lives of people and in that community. Uh, the, the governor, uh, then, then Governor Bill Clinton, said if that works in an urban setting, when will, will that work in a rural setting? Uh, and invited the folks from Shore Bank and others to Arkansas, to the Arkansas Delta, one of the most persistently poor areas of all of the U.S. Uh, and in the mid-'80s, that group um, gathered together about $10 million in assets uh, and, and formed Southern Bank Corp. Community Development, uh, Southern Bank, uh, Bank Corporation. Uh, and um, we've now grown from that initial investment of about $10 million to uh, $1.1 billion in assets. We've got 42 branches throughout Arkansas and Mississippi, mostly in the Arkansas-Mississippi Delta, still one of the most persistently poor areas of, uh, of all of uh, Arkansas and, 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 and Mississippi, in fact, all of the U.S. And so uh, that's kind of our uh, quick uh, quick recap of our history. So we've come from uh, you know, a long way, but, and, and I think we've done, done a lot, has significant impact, and, and, and looking forward to what we can do in the future. What a wonderful story. I mean, it sounds it sounds so unusual, so unique, that in a way the world of politics came together and, and really helped set up a bank, but put, put the bank or banking back in service of the communities to create, I guess, economic independence and, and to start to build wealth and regenerate communities. Is this a typical example of, of a bank in, in the U.S., or, or is it different? 
it, it is different. There are there are several uh, community banks throughout the U.S. This this organization we're a little different in that we uh, specifically focus on the unbanked, underbanked, specifically focus on low wealth people, uh, and it's, and it's our it's our theory that if we can increase an individual's net worth, then we can move them up the economic mobility ladder to ind- economic independence. Uh, in the communities that we serve, so many of them are rural, they're depressed. There's a significant amount of out migration. People are leaving, and we're trying to invest uh, in communities that have so long suffered from deinvestment, uh, and and trying to create jobs, uh, trying to encourage people to save and build their assets. And also in trying to provide, you know, safe, decent, affordable housing uh, in the communities that we serve. And, and for the honest uh, skeptics among among us, is there profit in this type of banking? Well, absolutely, uh, Linda. We, you know, we are very, very disciplined in what we do. In fact, we we borrowed this phrase, and I'm sure others have heard it that are listening to the show. But we always say, if there's no margin, there's no mission. Uh, so if we're not economically viable and, and in fact very profitable, then we can't continue our mission. Uh, so we we are very, very careful about the work that we do, uh, and we are you know we we we. we strive for being sustainable, being profitable, uh, and, and you don't have to give up profits to pursue your mission. In fact, we believe that our mission is a competitive advantage uh, and, and in, in fact, encourages and enhances our profitability. So it's interesting you say that. You believe your mission is a competitive advantage. So have you ever fa- f- found yourself around the table with other, I guess, more conventional and more traditional types of banks in in the States or anywhere in the world, and, and their jaws drop when you start to speak about what Southern is doing? Sure, sure. That 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 happens quite a bit, um, particularly your larger banks. Now, some of the some of the more traditional community banks uh, throughout the U.S. You know, they have very similar stories, uh, but they they may not go nearly as deep and work as long as we will with the customer. Uh, but but clearly, it is it's surprising to your larger banks who really look at profitability, look at efficiency ratios. Uh, those things are very very important. Uh, but our impact. Uh, really goes beyond just profits. It really goes to you know building uh, the communities that we serve and changing lives in those communities that we serve. And it's interesting you mentioned relationships because I've had a number of CEOs on from what we call values-based or ethical banks, and they always talk about the importance of being connected with the customer and the community or, or the sector that they're serving and the importance of listening and really having, a, a, I guess, an honest and, and transparent relationship. So can you talk to me a bit about um, Southern's approach to relationships with customers? I mean, does it look different to the kind of a normal banking relationship? Do you go that step further? Do you, do you, what is it that you do that, that works so well? Well, Linda, clearly we 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 value our relationships uh, with our customers, um, and they are these are deep relationships. Our 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 workers, our bankers who live in the communities that we're serving, uh, they have long-standing relationships with, with the customers and their families. So these are people who go to church together, they've gone to school together, their children are raised together, uh, and and we value those relationships and we invest in those relationships, and in return, uh, they're loyal to 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 Southern Bank Corp, and and, and it really works well. Uh, you know, for example. Something that's unique to banking, for example, we we every year we run a volunteer income tax assistance site or VITA site is what we call it uh, with with in partnership with Internal Revenue Service. Um, oftentimes, uh, low wealth people, the largest check they'll ever receive will be their refund check um, at the end of the year. So. 
These are people who've worked very hard all year uh, and have a refund coming back from the government. Um, so many um, other organizations, uh, tax paid tax repairs, will will charge uh, you know, egregious fees to prepare those taxes and then to let you, have you borrow um, from your own tax return to get that money back in just a short short amount of time. So, over for the last ten or twelve years, we have run uh, volunteer in- income tax assistance sites, and we'll do some three thousand tax returns uh, every year. In fact, we just finished this year's this season's tax season and. Um, uh, we did uh, almost 3,000, I think, I think uh, over 2,900, 2,990 plus tax returns, uh, returning almost $6 million back to the communities that we serve. And, and we really focus on those families who are eligible to receive the earned income tax credit, which is um, you know, bipartisanly believed to be one of the most anti-poverty or best poverty relief programs that, that's ever uh, you know been impacted or ever started by the government. So um, that's just, just one example. Of something we do, and that's free of charge. We we charge nothing for that. We want people to to access those funds, and then we encourage them when they have that money to to let that be the beginning of their savings. Uh, let that be the beginning of, the beginning of building a net worth that, that's necessary to really move them up the economic mobility ladder. It's it's incredible that you're providing that type of service, and and you're you're helping you're enabling people to to take themselves out of. You know, I guess out of poverty, really. I mean, it's it's just such a such an important thing for um, it's an important thing for banks to be doing. But I think a lot of banks aren't really doing it. So um, yeah, so it's it's an amazing. Thanks for sharing that example. I, I've heard too. You know, you have a focus on. I think your catchphrase is building communities and changing lives. Can you give us some practical examples around what that looks like for Southern? Sure, absolutely. You know, Southern for for um, uh, the work that we do, we we value our relationship with the, with the community, and so we try to create programs um, that partner with the communities. Uh, we, we you know many of the community, rural communities that we serve, uh, the downtowns uh, downtown area may not uh, uh, it, it's it's kind of lost its vibrance. So we have really looked at targeting our investments, our lending into rebuilding downtowns. Uh, now these downtowns are becoming more vibrant. Uh, people are buying these, these you know, once nice but now abandoned buildings, and they're putting loft apartments and, and, and condominiums uh, above the apartments, and they're putting retail in the ground floor, bringing people back downtown, attracting tourism, uh, bringing, you know, creating jobs by creating restaurants and various other services that you might see downtown. We intentionally focus um, our lending concentrated in certain areas uh, to, to encourage uh, this type of revitalization of these communities, and so that's just one example uh, of what we what, what we might do to really um, you know, build communities and change lives, uh, as our as our tagline says. And I noticed too. I think in 2013, you uh, you were named a champion of small business by the National Capital Coalition. So, how important is supporting small business um, for a, an organization like Southern? Well, it, it's absolutely key. You know, we believe that, um, you know, we have to continue to grow small businesses in the rural communities that we serve. Uh, these communities are not going to land, you know, the big multi-hundred job, you know, plant that will employ, you know, hundreds of people at one at one time. So, you know, m- the vast majority of our small business lending really is less than $50,000 per loan. And, and, and the vast majority of that goes to small businesses that employ you know less than seven people. Uh, 
Uh, and so that's really the backbone of, of America's economy is small business. And so small business lending is, is crucial uh, and vitally important to the work that we do. Uh, and so we, we value our relationships with small businesses. We'll go above and beyond really to make sure that those businesses succeed. Uh, and, and we provide, the, the way Southern is structured, we have Southern Bank Corp Community Partners, which is a, a loan fund, but it's, it's also a not-for-profit loan fund, but it's a, it's a financial development arm. Um, and they do a number of services that will, you know, really encourage entrepreneurship, uh, really strengthen uh, the knowledge base of the borrowers that we that we serve. We do things like provide homebuyer counseling, credit counseling, and, and all types of technical assistance necessary for small business and for the individuals that run those small businesses to make sure that they are successful. It, it makes me wonder. I mean, it's a question I always ask when I finish a show, and I'm so inspired talking to, to people like yourself. It, it makes me wonder, like, why isn't all banking done this way? And so what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, what are the challenges that are holding back the more conventional bank from doing this type of thing? Is it simply a lack of awareness that it's possible to, you know, make profit and have a positive impact? Or is it, is it something else? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Linda. And, and, and as you know, uh, the members of the GABV, which we're proud to be a member of the Global Alliance, we think about that and talk about that quite a bit. And, and in fact, we believe that through the network of the GABV, we will create uh, an awareness. We will we will make people understand that there's an alternative uh, to the traditional banking um, sector that they see. And when they and when people see that, I believe uh, that they will adopt. They will they will they will choose to do business with a values based bank. Uh, and when that happens. Happens and, and as that continues, this, this momentum continues to grow. I think you'll see more and more banks uh, taking a hard look at at their practices and what they're doing. Um, you know, really, banks uh, really should exist to serve the communities that that that, that they that they that they that they're, they're involved in and they represent, um, and and not necessarily just to serve uh, of making you know profit. Uh, it's really it's really both profit and purpose that we strive for, and I think all banks should do that. And and I think this 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 movement that you're seeing in values based banking is going to continue to catch hold. When I talk to people about the work that we do, when I talk about the the home buyer counseling class, the credit counseling classes, the individual development accounts that we that we serve, which is a match savings account. If someone saves a certain amount of money, we'll match it for them to build a house or to start a business. And when you start talking about all the good that we're doing in banks like um, Southern and other values-based banks that are to, to improve the economy, uh, you know, to protect the precious resource that we call Earth, um, more and more people, I think, will adopt. And I'm excited about the momentum that's building uh, through through this through this radio show, your voice really being heard around the world, I think helps to We'll give 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 energy to this movement of values based banking, and so I think you'll see this continue to grow. That's wonderful. I mean, Darren, thanks so much. It's such an inspiration. If people want to find out more information about Southern Bank Corp, uh, where can they go? Well, sure, they can go to our website. We've got a website at bankofsouthern.com, uh, and you can you can learn all about about Southern. In fact, we have some really really cool customer testimonials. Uh, really, the best way to hear and know what we do is to hear from the customers that we serve. We've got several videos of people talking about how we've impacted their lives and changed their lives through the work that we do. Darren, uh, thank you so much. So, folks, that was Darren Williams, Chief Executive Director of Southern Bancorp in, in the U- USA. We're going to cut to a break now, but please stay with us. We have a very interesting guest um, from the UK, uh, Marlis Nichols, who's leading grassroots change in banking. Um, so connect with us after the break. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you feel it when you work with marketing or PR firms? They're moving in slow motion. Or they just don't know what they're talking about. You won't get that on Marketing at Lightspeed. Host Ethan Raziel and his guest experts will deliver tips and tricks that work at Lightspeed. If you want to accelerate your company's marketing, listen every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Building Banking on Values. To reach Linda Ryan or her guest, please send an email to lynda.ryan at gabv.org. That's lynda.ryan at gabv.org. You may also join the social media conversation by using hashtag banking on values or tweet show host Linda Ryan at Catalyst Warrior. Now back to Building Banking on Values. Welcome back to the Building Banking on Value show. We just had a fantastically inspirational interview with Darren Williams, uh, Chief Executive Director of Southern Bank Corp in the USA. And now we have an equally inspirational conversation with Marluz Nichols, who's a Senior Fellow, Finance Innovation Lab and Program Manager with Meteos. And Marluz is based in the United Kingdom. Now, let me give you a bit of an intro to Marluz. Um, I have to say she's still only in her 20s, so um, I'm feeling old, and I'm also feeling inspired that she's done so much so far in her career. So Marluz has been Program Manager um, of Finance with Meteos and Director of Moneycom's Lab and Lead Researcher for Banking Future. Marluz provides advice to campaigners and students working on alternative finance and economics, so she's kind of, in a way, at the activist end of things in some of what she does. She's a wealth of experience working on social change, including co-founding the campaign Move Your Money UK and also working at Oxfam. An economist by training, Marlou's graduated from Newfield College, University of Oxford, with a Master's in Philosophy in 2011. So, Marlou's, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for inviting me, Linda. It's great to be on the show, and thanks for that. Very lovely introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. It, I have to say, it, it's an interesting mix. Economist by training, but you also studied philosophy. So how it, how is that background serving you now in the work that you're doing to change the banking sector? Well, I, I mean, I think I originally chose to do economics and philosophy because I was just interested in the world. And I never thought I'd work on banks and money, and they weren't even in the syllabus. Really, but um, it was all a matter of timing, really, because I was studying economics as the financial crisis hit, and so suddenly friends and family were turning to me and asking what's happening, and so I felt a responsibility to kind of learn and um, and find out what was going on and try and explain it to them. Wow. Okay. So, so it's come from a very personal place. So, let's go into the the initiatives that you're involved in. So, talk to me about Moneycom's lab and and why it's important. Sure. Because um, that was the project that we originally met on as well. And yeah, absolutely. We worked, worked on that one together. Um, so, perhaps should I say a bit about what Meteos does? 
Uh, that would be great. Yeah. 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 Okay, great. So um, a headline description of, of what Meteor does is that we do research-based facilitation and multi-stakeholder dialogue. And um, that's a bit jargony, so I'll just expand on that a bit. Um, so multi-stakeholder dialogue involves working within a sector, and that might be banking, and with people who have a stake in that sector. So that might be the customers, company executives, policymakers, and others. And at Meteos, we support those stakeholders to have a constructive dialogue through designing designing and facilitating processes that are informed by research. And the reason that uh, Meteos is called upon to do this kind of work is that there are cases when stakeholders find it really difficult to work together by themselves. So, for example, in the UK, the banking sector has seen a huge breakdown in trust following the financial crisis and ongoing scandals. And so one of the multi-stakeholder projects that we're working on at the moment is called Banking Futures, and we're doing that together with an organization called Leaders Quest. And as part of that, last year we held a six-month consultation between um, bank stakeholders on what a healthy banking sector could look like and how we might get there. And a, a kind of an example of the success that we had was that we managed to bring senior bankers and civil society leaders to work together in a way that just hasn't been possible since before the crisis. So, so that's um, can explain a bit about what multi-stakeholder work is. But then the Money Comms Lab project that we worked on together uh, fits more within Meteos's research-based facilitation work. And um, as you know, Linda, what Money Comms Lab was trying to do is answer the question about why it's so hard to engage the public with money and finance and what we can do about that. And I think it's a really important question because although we've seen a a growth in the number of civil society organizations working on finance, which is really fantastic, and there has been growing uh, amount of public engagement, it's actually not as much as you might expect because, you know, finance is central to our lives and yet we've just had the largest financial crisis in a generation and there are radical new policies in place whose effects and impacts we just don't know about yet, like the quantitative easing programs. And there's a huge amount of change underway and money and finance systems led by innovation and technology like the cryptocurrencies um, or with the, the rise of cashless society and the rise of peer-to-peer lending. So I think it's really important that we hear what the public's views are on the purpose and future of finance given all of this change. And, and so as I said, with money comes... Sorry. Yeah, so with, with Money Comms Lab, can you give me some practical examples of, of, I don't know, maybe some of the solutions that came out of the, the facilitation and the discussions? You know, were there any suggestions or any nuggets that, that can be actioned in some way? Um, yeah, definitely. So I think uh, the first thing, like a big insight from Money Comms Lab was that uh, there's some really deep, root reasons why it's so hard to engage with the public um, and the challenge of communication uh, regarding money and finance is, is deeply rooted in kind of human psychology 
around the power imbalance that lies between the financial sector and the public, as well as um, more kind of political, social and cultural issues. And so if you're trying to communicate with people about money, you can't just revert to providing more information. You really need to be sensitive to the way that our brains absorb information. You know, we're emotional beings. Um, and we also need to be aware of the imbalance of power in society and the fact that many people are really disempowered when it comes to money and finance and they really need a lot of support and, and encouragement to talk about the issues they're facing um, and you know to feel like that a lot of people feel guilt when it comes to money and so we need to really help people see that it's they're not in, in the wrong that there are social issues when it comes to money and that um, yeah does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I mean, it goes back to communications, and I think it goes back to that basic model of, you know, you raise awareness, you you create a desire for someone to then um, have an interest and be bothered to take action. And, and it's it's often what we're involved in, say, from a communications or in, of, in terms of advocacy as well. It's, it's that first step, and that's why we created this show, is that, you know, there's so much out there from a negative perspective uh, in terms of, banking that we felt, you know what, people have a right to know that there's actually you know, a viable alternative to the more mainstream banking um, services that are being provided. And at the end of the day, people are bankers. Where, where we put our money matters. And we all have money, no matter how small or how large, in the system. So it's really a matter of ownership and empowering people to know that they do own the system. And I think that's what initiatives like... Um, Moneycom's lab helps helps kind of solidify. So th- thanks for the example on that. Can you talk to me about your work on um, banking futures and, and how you're looking at um, working directly with senior bankers and investors? It's almost the opposite end of the spectrum, which is interesting that you're doing that type of spectrum work. Sure. So, well, as I mentioned earlier, um, last year we conducted this consultation with um, banks and their stakeholders about what a healthy banking sector should look like in the UK and how we might get there. And the results of that were published in February this year. And um, that resulted in kind of three key recommendations about priority areas that we should work on further. Um, And they were how banks conserve the economy, how banks conserve customers, and how banks can for the long term and that project is now continuing into phase two so we'll be working with the same core group of um, bankers and senior experts and investors in um, the banking sector but also with a, a slightly expanded group of more civil society representatives to explore what banks can tangibly do in the next uh, about 18 months, two years to be really um, deliver on serving those bits of the economy and society. So it sounds and, um, like you're really yeah. helping convene people, the different stakeholders from from across the spectrum. What's that conversation like? Do you mean, do you do you pick up the phone to a banker and say, "Hey, do you want to join the conversation?" Or you know, how do you get over that? Because I can imagine a lot of bankers may consider this to be quite a difficult conversation or facilitated session to be part of. So. Can you talk to me a bit about that? 
Oh, I mean, I think the the conversations between different stakeholders can always be a bit tense. Um, but, you know, nearly everyone that we've spoken to really wants to see the financial system and the banking sector change. And that's on an organizational level. You know, the, the businesses see that they aren't really listening to what new societal and regulatory expectations are and they want to. Um, but also on an individual level, a lot of people who work within the banking sector want to be doing good um, and they want to learn how. And so something I really appreciate about the work we do at Meteos is that we help create a kind of sensitive, empathetic space in which stakeholders who might previously have had assumptions about one another or um, find it difficult to understand each other's cultures can um, really come to understand each other and we can help bridge across those different groups. It's um it's it's actually quite reassuring. I mean, to know that there's there's change happening and there's appetite for change from a more conventional banker or professional banking perspective. So, I mean, it's it's wonderful that you're doing this work, and definitely let's continue to do it and and continue to to give us updates on on how it's actually working. The other thing I wanted to chat with you very quickly about is your involvement in um, the Occupy movement. Uh, which is very interesting, right? Because, again, you, you're working across that whole spectrum of change in the banking sector. Very quickly, can you talk to me about the Occupy tours that you do and, and what kind of reactions do you get? Sure. So, um, yeah, I volunteer with a collective called Occupy London Tours and they're an offshoot of the Occupy movement that was set up by a school teacher who was working in Tower Hamlet, which is one of the poorest boroughs in London, but also happens to house Canary Wharf, which is the home of um, many of the head offices of the biggest banks. And we provide free, fun, informative tours around the key financial districts of London. And we try and demystify finance for the general public. So all sorts of people come along. And the tour that I work on is in Mayfair, which um, the listeners may have heard of from the Monopoly board. And I'm part of a team that provide tools to help people understand how the hedge firms, private equity firms, and other financial institutions that live in Mayfair um, work. And we go and visit the offices, and we tell stories about the, the characters that work there, and we play games to explore the technicalities of all these different institutions. And I think, um, you know, we have a lot of fun on the tours. We're, we're not trying to... Um, be aggressive. I think the Occupy movement sometimes has negative associations, but actually I found it's a really empowering movement that helps explore alternatives and share and experiment with new ideas. I love that idea. The idea of empowerment and being positive and, and educating, I think, is so important. And it goes back to the other spectrum-based work that you're doing, which is about creating an open and safe space, an empathetic space, as you said, for, for bankers to connect with the stakeholders that they're set up to actually serve. So wonderful work, and, and thanks for giving us an insight, just a, a short insight, because I know we only have very short time into the work that, that you're doing. Uh, Marlis, if people want to find out a little more information, very quickly, can you point us to a website? Well, all of 
the organisations that um, we mentioned, so Occupy London Tours, uh, Meteos, um, Finance Innovation Lab, they've all got websites. I think it's quick, quicker to just give them a search online. And they're all on Twitter as well. Fantastic. So people can just hop online and have a search. Marlis, it's been wonderful yeah. chatting with you. Uh, folks, if you've just uh, tuned in, Marlis is a senior fellow with Finance Innovation Lab and program manager with Meteos in the UK. We have had a wonderful show. Um, I'm just taking a quick look at what's going on in the world of social media under the show hashtag Banking on Values. And in the last week, we've had some interesting sharing. So Treat Us Bank in the UK um, have a really great tweet where they're saying no to investment in oil and coal. Um, and, and it's pretty brave of any financial institution to be saying that, but the, apparently trade-offs are set up in that way that they only do green investments. So it's, it's a shout-out to a bank doing the right thing. We also have um, a, a, quite a few tweets from AIBIM and Malaysia IF uh, about the people and the speakers at uh, the Global Islamic Finance Forum that was hosted in Malaysia this week. So there's lots of talk there about um, alternatives to banking and Islamic finance and also banking on values. And David Korsland, our weekly guest, was actually attending the show. Um, so wonderful, wonderful tweets there. And there's lots more. So please do check it out, Twitter, using the hashtag banking on values. Next week on the show, we're going to meet Damien Walsh from Bank Australia and Charles Hampton-Turner, an author. And we're going to explore how a corporate philosopher and banking practitioner believe and can prove how money can be put to good use. So until next time, don't forget to tweet me at Catalyst Warrior or tweet the show at Voice AM Business. Share the show, spread the word, and don't forget we have the power to build banking on values. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Building Banking on Values. Please join your host, Linda Ryan, again next Thursday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.